Hello, good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Good. I want to clear something up right off the bat. Yes, this is a llama on my sweater. Um, in fact, he, he just so happens to be wearing a scarf. Um, I don't wear this to distract you. I just like to be festive. That's just who I am. So I just wanted to clear that up right off the bat. Um, and something else before we get started, I just want to call some attention to something. Here recently, as a church, we adopted 10 different families from our community and we provided to them gifts for Christmas. And that's because of you guys, right? So I want to give us a round of applause here. That is awesome. And while I get it, I'm not trying to say that the, the purpose behind Christmas is to give gifts. I am saying that the purpose behind that is to show love to others. And man, can you imagine the love that they feel from the Bridge Church because what you have done? So I just wanted to call attention to that. It is awesome. So what are we talking today? It's not about a llama. Um, today, we are going to walk through the story of Mary and the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, let's be honest. To most of us, this isn't earth-shattering, breaking new development. This just in. No, you've heard this story before and probably a thousand times. The great thing about this story is it's like, your favorite Christmas movie, right? You can watch it over and over again, or in this case, read or hear about it over and over again, but it's still a great story. Sometimes, though, when we hear something so much, it can almost start to become mundane. You can get to a point where you can recite it for memory, and because of that, when we hear it, we can miss certain things. The small details no longer strike us as they should. So today, I want to give this story a second look. I want us to lean into it, and I want us to pay attention to the small details. It truly is an incredible story, and there are so many different lessons than, that we can learn from it. Today, we are going to walk through the Gospels of Luke and Matthew as we talk about um, the different lessons of today. And I want us to really hold on to these because it's not just a story that is important during Christmas time. The lessons that we are going to cover today can be used in your everyday life. When you go through hardship, when you go through struggles, you can recall Mary and Joseph's stories and utilize what we learn here today in those times. It doesn't just have to be the Christmas season. And I want to pause for a second um, because if you are hearing this story for the first time, whether it is in this building or watching online, I gotta say, I'm excited for you, okay? This is a great story, and I truly hope it moves you to learn more about Jesus and what he's done for you. 
And before we dive heavy into the details of our story, I kind of want to set the stage for the time period that we're going to be covering. You see, at this point in the Jewish people's lives, they are under Roman rule. They are oppressed, they are taxed, and they're being belittled. All while, they are eagerly waiting the arrival of the Messiah that they have been promised for centuries to come. See, they believe deep in their hearts that the Messiah would rescue them from their Roman oppressors, that he would establish a new kingdom. They almost expected a military type of leader that would rule as their king. He would rule the world with justice. So now that the stage is set, let's go, right? Let's jump right into the story. And we start with Mary and Joseph. You see, Mary was of little status at this time. The Bible doesn't actually give us her age, right? It doesn't clarify that. But given Jewish tradition at the time, we can assume that she's just a teenager. She is a young teenager. So Mary is young, she is poor, and she's a woman. While there is nothing wrong with that, those characteristics to the people of her day would have make it, made her seem unworthy, unusable by God for any major task, probably not even a minor task. Joseph he was a carpenter. And while he was of the house of David, he had little more status than Mary did. For all intents and purposes here, I want to stress the point that these are ordinary people. There is nothing special about them. So we're going to go into Luke here. And in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26, our story begins. It says, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. It goes on to say that Mary was greatly troubled at, this, at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Now Mary at this point had to be going through a whirlwind of emotions. She had to be excited. But on the flip side, she had to be scared, probably shocked. She's excited because she's been waiting for this. Her entire people have been waiting for the Messiah to come. This is exciting stuff. Again, at the same time, 
She's freaked out because this is unexpected to her. She's not sitting in her house, you know, waiting for this, expecting this, looking at her watch when Gabriel shows up and be like, man, dude, it's about time. This wasn't expected. We just talked about how Mary wasn't special. She's an ordinary person. This was not expected for her. In her response, she says, how can this be? I have not been with a man. Gabriel would go on to tell her that the Holy Spirit would come upon her and the power of the highest would overshadow her. And she would give birth to the Holy One. And he would be called the Son of God. Immediately, what a great, amazing message for us to consume. We're only a couple verses into our story, and this shows rather bluntly that God can use anyone for his good. Remember, Mary and Joseph were to little worth in the eyes of the world. They weren't of royal birth. They didn't have great standing in their community. They were not seen as leaders. They were just ordinary people. If you lived during that time and you were to imagine who would give birth to the King of Kings, if you were to imagine who would give birth to the Messiah, set to free all of his people from oppression, to rule over the world, these two are at the bottom of your list. Honestly, they're probably not even on the list. Hear me, because this is such an important message. And not just for Christmas time, but throughout your life. In your life, there are going to be times when you feel like you don't have the ability. There's going to be times when you feel like you lack the experience needed. Where you feel like somehow the things you've done in your life makes your history tarnished. Or maybe you, you lack the education needed. Whatever these forms of self-doubt are in your mind, it can make you feel like an unlikely, an unworthy candidate to do God's service. You might feel like you're not on the list. Don't limit God's choices. Don't limit his power. He can use you. And I'll tell you what, he wants to. God can use anyone for his good. And sometimes when he does use us, when he shows us favor, it's great. Everything goes to plan. It's rainbows and puppy dogs. It's awesome. But sometimes, sometimes when he uses us, it doesn't feel like we think that it should. And we're going to see that as our story continues. So where we left off, Mary just had found out that she was highly favored by God. And she accepted that responsibility. 
And while I am sure that she expected some sort of backlash, I don't know that she was fully prepared for the road that lied ahead of her. And that's the next lesson here. We went from one immediately to another one, so buckle up, everybody. Here we go. But here we're looking at the fact that favor might not look like what we expect. That God can use you, but that doesn't mean that that path is going to be an easy one. So what happens next in our story? Well, to be, to be honest here, we're not fully certain of the exact order of these things. You see, Luke tells us that Mary goes to Elizabeth, who is her relative, and she stays with her for three months. But Luke doesn't mention anything about Joseph until closer to the birth. Matthew doesn't mention anything about Elizabeth, but he does talk about Joseph finding out that Mary is with child. So I'm not necessarily going to focus on the order of those things because I don't think that is the important aspect of the story. Instead, I want to talk about at some point, Mary had to talk to Joseph. That's not an easy conversation, but it had to take place. And so we're going to jump into Matthew, and in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says this. His mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. After finding out that Mary is pregnant, Joseph had a tough decision. And we can tell that he cares for her, that he loves her, because he did not want her to be publicly shamed or even harmed. There were some harsh punishments at that time. But as we read, he still feels like he must divorce her. Now, wait a minute, Chris. Divorce? They weren't even married yet. I'm so glad you guys asked. Thank you. Crowd participation. Love it. Well, we get to go to a history lesson, guys. We're going to do a small little segue into a history lesson. You see, in that day, there were three basic stages in a Jewish marriage. First, the two families would meet, and they would agree upon the union. Second, a public announcement was made, and at this point, the couple was pledged to each other. This is similar to an engagement today, except for the fact that the relationship could only be broken by two things, death and divorce. See, it's not like an engagement today where you can be engaged and then somebody starts feeling some type of way and they're like, no, nah, I'm done. And you just, you just break it off. That's not how it was then. Another key point about this second part of the marriage process is that intimate relations not allowed. Nope, don't do it. And then third, or the third stage, of course, is that the couple would be married and then they would begin living together. So history lesson over. 
Uh, we're going to go back to Joseph now. So this had to be tough on him, right? This, this had to be a hard decision. I'm sure he wanted to believe her story. Maybe it wasn't even that he didn't believe her, but he wasn't ready himself to face the consequences of this situation. He just needed a little push in the opposite direction. The good news is he gets one. In Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 20, it tells us, But after he had considered this, the divorce, that is, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So after waking up, Joseph did as the angel said, and he took Mary home to be his wife. So first hurdle here, overcome. Whew, whew, that was a tough one. And while this is the last written account in the Bible of Mary and Joseph before they travel to Bethlehem, I, I want to stay here for a second. I want to talk through the hardships that they would have had to have faced at this time. See, the criticism and the shaming that they would have received would have been immense. It would have been very difficult for society to believe Mary's story. The pain that Mary must have felt to know that the people that her son would come and save are the same people that are shaming her. Remember, we just talked about how Mary was a very unlikely candidate to be used by God, and that's how society at the time would have seen her. So how could the society believe that this person from nowhere would birth the Messiah? Not to skip ahead, years later, but even as Jesus began his ministry, the Bible tells us that the people of Nazareth didn't believe him to be the Messiah, so they cast him out. How much more would that have been true for Mary even before he is born? Mary had to at some point question, if I am so favored, why is this so painful? And unbeknown to her, her road doesn't get easier. Her, her path continues to be a rocky one. See, Luke goes on to tell us that Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census would have to be taken over the whole of the Roman Empire. And because Joseph was from the house of David, they had to travel roughly 70 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. This trip should have taken about four to five days. I say should have for one very key point here. Um, 
Has anyone ever traveled or taken a road trip with a nine-month pregnant woman? (laughs) Nothing against the mother. I'm not sure you classify that as a great trip. That's not one where you're like, woo-wee, this is great. So they take this trip and they arrive at Bethlehem only to find zero rooms available. Right? Nine months. 70 miles. They get to their destination. Nothing is available. Right? It's a busy time. The census is going wrong. So the, the inns are packed. <laughs> I, I can just hear this voice of this exhausted, super pregnant woman saying to her husband, I told you, you should have called ahead. (laughs) Of course, they could not have done that in their day. That's just the vision that comes into my head. But but seriously, um, back to the point here. They had to be at a breaking point, Right? They're not accepted by their community, by their peers. They just took this super long trip, and Mary's getting ready to have her baby, and there is nowhere to stay. There is no one to help them. They had to be thinking, what else? What else you got for me today? Do you ever get to that point where you're just at your point of breaking, where you're just like, there's nothing else bad that can happen. I am literally going through the worst of it. How do you react to that situation? Because one of the most beautiful things about this story is the strength of Mary and Joseph's faith in the Lord and that he will provide for them. See, when God uses us sometimes, like I said, everything is great. But that's not a guarantee. That's not God's guarantee. It doesn't mean that the path is gonna be an easy one. When God shows us favor, it doesn't mean that you are immediately or ever gonna come into riches or fortune or fame it might not feel like you think that it should. But don't let that shake your faith. If you ever feel like hope is dimming or just times are just too tough for you to keep going down God's path, remember Mary and Joseph's story. Her blessing, her favor with the Lord started with a whole lot of pain. But her resilience and submission to God's plan was a key part in the world's salvation. The Bible doesn't tell us anything about Mary and Joseph scolding the Lord or complaining to God. They did the best that they could with what they were given. And that's because they had faith in God's plan for them. They submitted to that plan and they didn't let the journey tarnish the destination. When we are struggling with God's plan, 
Remember what Gabriel said to Mary when he was telling her that the Lord favors her. He tells her, the Lord is with you. And our response in these times when we go through these struggles in our life needs to mirror that of what Mary responded to Gabriel. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. No matter what, may it be to me as you have said, Lord. Stand firm on God's promises for you. And you will see that some of the most miraculous things are at the end of a rocky path. God is good. He has good planned for you. So again, when you're going through these hard times, when you are traveling that rocky path, don't let the journey tarnish the destination. So back to our story. It's time. It is time. The baby is coming. And there is, again, nowhere to go, no one to help them. They find a stable where Mary has her baby, and they lay baby Jesus down in a manger. And while this last section that I cover here really isn't a lesson, so to speak, it's to stress the good news that is coming. You see, what, we, what we've covered so far all leads up to this moment. How Mary and Joseph were used by God, even though they were unlikely candidates, even though they were ordinary people, and that even though they were blessed, their path was hard. But their faith did not falter. It, they, their faith was not shaken. And this leads us to the beautiful birth of Jesus. In Luke chapter six, chapter two, sorry, verse six, it says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, when I say beautiful birth, um, I don't mean that in a visual way. We have made the birth of Christ out to be this visually pleasing scene. Cute little baby Jesus in a manger. I mean, you've seen the Christmas card pictures, right? It's like a little wooden box all propped up. Hey, hey, so soft. So he's got a little cute bed. With precious moments, farm animals behind them. Somehow all the animals are smiling. They're probably wearing scarves. It's just so cute. Cute little tail. So cute. Just, just to be clear here, that scene was anything but cute. 
a manger is a trough, right? It's a cute name, but a manger is a trough. That's where the animals eat out of. I don't know if you've ever been to a zoo or Grant's Farm or Big Joe's Safari, but do you recall what the little bins the animals eat out of look like? Do you recall seeing a stable where the animals sleep? Is that cute? If you have a newborn baby, are you going to go to Big Joe's Safari and be like, mm, let me just set them on down in here? <laughs> cute. It's not cute. I am very confident, too, that Mary and Joseph took time and they tried to clean it up as much as they could. I'm very confident in that. But don't kid ourselves here. That was a dirty, disgusting place to have a child. And the reason I point that out so bluntly is that it is one of the things that makes this story so beautiful. Again, not in a visual way but in a symbolic way. God had centuries to plan out this birth. Jesus could have been born into royalty. He could have been born into a family of well-known religious standing, but he wasn't. The king of kings was not born into wealth and prosperity. He was born onto ordinary people in the most unexpected of ways. And while his birth was not that of what you would expect for a king, his birth announcement, one for the ages. So it goes on in Luke in chapter 2, verse 9, to tell us, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, suddenly, it says, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom favor rests. Glory to God in the highest. What an amazing image. What an extraordinary moment. And do you know who to, to whom this birth announcement went out to? It wasn't a king. It wasn't some high Pharisee. It wasn't a, a noble-born family. It was the shepherds in a field. Our Lord and Savior humbled himself to be born amongst the lowest possible people in the lowest possible fashion to live life as a servant to his people. He came into this world in such a lowly place to show love to Jew and Gentile alike. Not only was the manner in which he was born symbolic to his ministry, but also the birth announcement was as well. Shepherds were the ones to receive this glorious message, not a king, not a Pharisee. 
The story of Jesus' birth is so beautiful because the Savior of our world, the King of all kings, humbled himself to come into this world in human form, born into poverty to serve all of man so that he could save all of man. And this is the good news that we receive. I bring you good news of great joy that are for all people. This is wonderful news because we get to share it with the world. On this day, a Savior was born onto you. What better gift can you give someone than letting them know Jesus is here? Jesus is for you. Jesus loves you. The Christmas story is beautiful because it rejects the idea that you need wealth, influence, or some kind of platform to make a difference. Insignificant, ordinary, and unqualified people matter to God. So he chooses to partner with them to show the world that he cares for everyone. These aren't things that we should be reminding ourselves just at this time of year, but instead throughout our lives. We need to remind ourselves that God can use anyone to do wondrous things. We need to remind ourselves that God works in unknown ways to us and his favor might lead to a painful path. But in those times, we have to stand firm in our faith and submit to his plan because we know that he is good. We need to remind ourselves that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, came to love and save all of us. The King of Kings humbled himself to be the lowest of man, and he would save all of man. We need to remind ourselves that the greatest gift that we could ever receive, the greatest gift that we could ever give out is not something that is material. It's not something that you can go out and buy. It comes in the form of a message. And that message holds just as much weight today as it did 2,000 years ago. Your Savior is born. Your Messiah is here. Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. Your Savior is here. He's been born. He's been born onto you. Let's all men rejoice. Let all men rejoice. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you so much for humbling yourself as you come to earth in human form and in the most unexpected of ways. Help us understand the importance of your story of your birth. 
that the struggles that Mary and Joseph went through are same things that we can apply to in our lives. Help us understand how great of a gift we have received. And not only that, how great, how great a gift we can give. The news of your birth, the news of your love for us, the news that your love is unconditional. I ask for these things in Jesus' name.